Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, host of pureandsimplebible.com, and I just want you to know that this conversation that we're having is about improving a worship experience. It's a really important conversation, making sure our minds are prepared to worship the Lord. We know from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for example, that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're supposed to do it in a worthy manner. So how do we do that? How do we prepare our minds for worship? And how, how does that worship experience, when it's improved, what does it look like compared to a worship experience where we're just checking something off or where we haven't taken time to prepare ourselves and we rush into worship and it's just uh, a little bit forced or maybe a, a little bit impersonal. Now, this week, we're going to continue the conversation, Brother Brian Osborne and myself, and I want you to listen to some of the tips and the strategies that Brian has for that improved worship experience. We're going to pick up in the middle of the conversation, so we'll include about 30 seconds or so of what we talked about last week, and then we jump into the second half of it. If you haven't listened to the part one, you really need to go back and listen to that as we consider from the Psalms what the worship experience was like for David and how we can use that to help improve our own. So, if you're ready, let's jump back into it. And we can rejoice in the same way. And understanding that, that brings, really, for us to be so thankful toward Him, you bring that to worship. Mm. And when you bring that to worship, your worship is going to be joyful. Right. You can rejoice and be thankful in your worship. It's it's a, it's just a wonderful kind of side effect, if you will. Now, let me ask you this, um, and then we're going to get into the part of the study that I'm, I'm most excited about, um, where we can talk about some keys to having a great worship experience. In the spirit of redundancy, I want you to, one more time for our listeners, just give us this, the, the theme you know, the, the various common themes of, about worship based on what we've looked at in Psalms and, and even what we saw in Romans chapter five, what should I be thinking about when it comes to the worship experience? What, what you know, common pattern should I be looking at in these scriptures? So really to simplify it is just approach your worship with thankfulness. Um, okay understand where you have where you have come from and what the Lord has done for you and be thankful for that okay so that, that leads into the next thing is just be joyful in your praise to the Lord based upon that thankfulness and um, and then that leads to kind of the third thing is who's the object of our praise what's the Lord he's mm-hmm. the object of our praise mm-hmm. right. Well, brother, let me um, try to frame the next part of our conversation with some things that you and I have already talked about one-on-one. And so you may not know where I'm going yet, but it'll start to make sense uh, as I go through this thought. When I think about the worship experience, I can't help but think that my own insecurities, you know, and I'm making this about me, this isn't about others, but my own insecurities um, oftentimes limit what I would like to do in worship. I'll give you an example. 
there's sometimes when I feel so connected to a song that it it can bring tear tears to my eye, but I'm worried that if I cry, others are going to think I'm, you know, um, either maybe I'm being too emotional or I'm, you know, looking for attention or maybe there's times whenever I'm just so excited about a song and maybe I'm beating time along with the song leader or maybe I pump my fist, you know, with, with joy. But again, I'm concerned that others are going to think that I'm, uh, fake or just, uh, not very authentic, you know, that I'm, I'm trying to force it or something like that. And so you have this section listed out with keys to having a great worship experience. And maybe based on some of the things that, that I've just brought up, people who are excited about worship, but then they're also concerned about the way others might think about them or feel about them. Could you, and we're kind of taking the long way to get there, but can you help us who want to have a great worship experience do so without maybe some of the weight of feeling like uh, others are just watching what we're doing. Well, I'm right there with you as far as, as far as how do I express myself without, without being the sore thumb in the crowd without standing out, you know, Sure. You don't want to create a scene. But yet, it's been our tradition to not really, I guess, be as expressive as I think maybe we can be in worship. And so that's that's a struggle that I still continue with um, regarding it, how, how I show emotion. Mm. I mean... It's some people, they might feel compelled to, you know, maybe raise their hand. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. It's an expression of your excitement. It's an expression of your joy. Right. Right. As you're shouting to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But our culture or our tradition, we just haven't done that. And so we just kind of hold our arm back or hold our hand back because of that, because we don't want to create a scene. Um, and so that's, that's a real challenge and it's still a challenge to me. So in regards to understanding that, I, I think, I think we need to begin to break the mold. If you, in my humble opinion, not be afraid of what other people think. Don't let other people hinder your worship experience. And I'll tell you, I've kind of broken the mold in my song leading to where I become more expressive as I'm leading songs at home. And, and the more I have done it, the more I, I have felt comfortable doing it. And people, I don't know, people tend to smile when you smile more when you do. You see the gladness. You see the joy. Yeah. When you begin to do that, when you begin to break the mold within the congregation, it is okay to smile when you're singing praises to God. 
you know, there's, I was thinking of a few songs, you know, we've sang through, through the years about, you know, how kind of how we've sung them in the past. Like, <laughs> like, you know, you see, like some people, like if you were to lead the song, sing and you'll be happy today. You know how we sing that we sing it. We should sing it happily. We should sing it gladly instead of like, Sing and you'll be happy today. You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, know bring exactly. bring your heart into it. Yeah. Um, you know, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. You know, sing how happy and thankful you are that you're redeemed. And that's it's just a few songs that have come to my mind as far as how we can express ourselves and have a wonderful worship experience by singing singing songs like that with gladness and with the smile and on quite the opposite with, with something that maybe brings you to, um, to a scene of Calvary Mm. or taking our, our, you know, with, with this picture of Jesus on the cross and dying for us. Sometimes those songs could bring tears to your eyes. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to show that. Show your thank you show your thankfulness by crying mm. and your appreciation of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. And so I think on an individual level, we do need to begin to break the mold. Don't be afraid of what of how or don't let other people hinder how you worship. How do we balance this experience where we're not going to maybe care about um, the thoughts of others, you know, as as far as it being kind of the primary motivator in our reluctance to uh, be joyful or our reluctance to uh, be distraught in a song about Calvary, how do we balance this desire to be very authentic in that experience with um, maybe the concern that some people have in the church is like a showiness, you know, like a charismatic showiness that's, it's, it's almost equally as disingenuous as it is when we sing, you know, love lifted me and this kind of a song that's the opposite of what the message is. Do you have any thoughts on that about the balance between being authentic, but then also, not being, I guess maybe immodest is as an appropriate word, but doing something for the show or for the, the, you know, like the Pharisees in Matthew chapter six, they're, they're looking for the praise of men. How do we balance it to where we can, I don't know, make sure that, that we're not becoming showy, but then we're also not hiding our light. I asked that question like a thousand times. So I hope that I, I, communicated it well (laughs) well i there is a fine balance between the two and it really if you ask me falls on the intent and sincerity of the heart of the person Mm. so for example you you get you get someone to to lead a congregation in song to where um if you if they're really showing their true joyfulness in in the message of the song, I don't 
I don't know. I would tend to think that with through their sincerity, that people won't see that as being showy in a way. Um, but that's hard because you have, you got per, different personalities um, within congregations and yeah. some are more excited than others. Some are not as, as excited as others. And, you know, that's, those are just different personalities and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. God created us uh, unique. Um, not, not everyone is, you know, smiles when they're, when they're joyful, <laughs> so to speak. And so, and not everyone cries. And, and so it, it's really hard. I think it really boils down to the sincerity of a person's heart as yeah. they're, as they're singing or yeah. as they're with, within or caught in the emotion of a particular song, really, that, that drives their, um, um, their mechanics or drives their, their emotions. It's, um, I hope I explained that okay. Well, you're making me think of a Bible verse. I'm going to flip over there real quick and share it with you and our audience as well. Uh, from Romans chapter 14, this is not about worship. Uh, I'll just clarify that. And the context of it is about people either uh, participating in or not participating in different activities where, where one person considers it a, a liberty, a spiritual liberty, and the other person doesn't see it as a spiritual liberty. They feel compelled not to participate. Let me, let me just read verse 5. It says, One person esteems one day is better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The, the one who observes the day observe it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives, thank, gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains since he gives thanks to God, while the one who, I might have read that twice, uh, and gives thanks to God. For none of us uh, lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. You know, the idea here is whether one eats or one drinks, whether one observes the day or doesn't observe the day, we're supposed to do it to the Lord. And maybe I'm feeling a, a, a bit of uh, a sting because maybe I shouldn't be as obsessive over how other people are thinking about me in worship because it's not really about me anyway. It's about the Lord. And so... I'm kind of processing this in real time, by the way. So if people are wondering why I'm belaboring the point, that's why. Uh, it sounds like if somebody wants to have a joyful, worshipful, outward experience, and then another person doesn't want to have that, then really it's up to each person to approach worship and their the way that they're comfortable with and not pass judgment on the other. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense where we like, this is what I'm feeling in worship and I shouldn't have to worry about you, what you think about my personal worship experience is as I shouldn't be worried about your personal worship. I shouldn't be judging you because of how you are worshiping during the assembly. Right, right. 
And in fact, you, you make a point in your notes to emphasize that, that everybody does have a different personality. And so sometimes it's, you know, don't try to force people to be something they're not, I guess is one way to put it, because not everybody's going to want to or able to or or expresses their emotions the way we might express our emotions. So again, for me to try to look at somebody else and, and wonder why they're not smiling when I'm smiling or crying when I'm crying, you're, you're making room at the table for everybody to respond in worship the way it comes natural to them. Right? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Cause it, it, it seems like it would be easy for me to kind of get worked up as somebody who, who is a, it wants to be more emotional in worship? It would be easy for me to get worked up about why others aren't, but then I'm I'm kind of falling into the same trap that I'm accusing others of, right? Where I'm looking at them and kind of assuming their motives. Yeah, or even you know leaving the church if if something like that were to happen and you being so judgmental driving on the way home. Did you see so and so? Did you mm. see what they were doing in worship? Let right. us. Let us never be that person. Well, brother, I asked you to have this conversation about something that's really, really difficult to quantify, and that is worship experience. So in this discussion, we haven't brought up maybe the book, chapter, and verse for the different items of worship, because that's not really what this is about. This is about how we're experiencing those items of worship. And I'm certain if somebody was confused uh, or um, maybe they weren't understanding where we were going. Uh, what we're asking for is not a change of worship itself as far as the items of worship. You know, we're talking about how we experience them. And you have listed out several emotions that, that could be helpful. And I think as people hear you mention them, it will be things that we've been talking about over and over again. So that redundancy or that repetition is about to come back one more time. But if anything, I'm encouraged because it's showing me that the Bible does have a pattern for our emotional experience. So uh, what are some things I should be feeling or thinking uh, as far as an emotion goes during the worship experience? So we've already talked about approaching worship with gratitude, with thankfulness. Again, understand you are saved and you are worshiping a wonderful father. And so approach that with, with that type of thankfulness and, and have that gladness, have that joy, rejoice, be excited about that as you worship him. Mm. Now, there are some times within, within worship where we're singing songs, we're singing songs of great comfort. You know, there, we go through a lot um, in our lives. There can be times where things just aren't going well. And we come and worship on Sunday morning, and we might not feeling, be feeling our best in regards to things might, just might not be going right. Maybe perhaps there's there's been a, a death in the family, or maybe maybe you're going through some tough times. Well, those songs could bring you comfort, and you could be comforted uh, comforted by what you sing 
and by by the message of the scriptures as well. And you could bring that. You could be coming and looking for comfort in your worship mm-hmm. unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you could come uh, at another emotion is, is, is just being hopeful, being hopeful for heaven, being hopeful for that promise that God has given every one of us who are who have been faithful. Amen. And we sing about that hope of heaven. And when we sing about that hope of heaven, that compels me to be glad and be excited about that because that's the end goal right. is to go to heaven. That's our eternal reward. Right. Right. And then we could, we could um, in worship, just be encouraged, be encouraged by some of the words that we sing by, by us being reminded of, of what the Lord did or what, what Jesus has done. Or singing about fellowship, even encouraged to just to be with one another uh, as we're there doing these things together in worship. Well, just the, just a few things. Um, you could probably even think of more things about a way that you could show your emotion in worship. Yeah. Well, brother, um, I have one more question for you, and you already talked about this some at the beginning i I asked early on in this conversation about uh what can i do to kind of make sure that i'm I'm getting to worship with that appreciation of i get to worship instead of saying i have to go to church and you answered with some things that i could do before i got there i'm actually just going to ask you to go through those one more time uh so here we are at the end of this conversation where we're trying to ask people to engage in the worship process where they're having this experience, this emotional experience, while they're still doing the, 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 the same items of worship that we have done for years and years and years. But I really find great value in what you said about consider your pre-worship prep. So can you go through those one more time and encourage us with ways that we can be preparing our hearts for worship? Well, one thing that really, really helps me is, is listening to music, this, just spiritual music. Um, you could, you could stream vocalists in while you're getting ready for Sunday morning. There you go. There's your plug. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you could do that. You could, I mean, we, we have so many ways to, to listen to music. We've got CDs, we've got streaming services. Um, there's so many different um, ways that we could actually, and, and means to be able to listen to music. And so I would highly, highly take advantage of listening to spiritual music as you're getting ready, as you're riding in the car as a family to, to the, to the building. It's, um, it really, for me, gets my mind ready. Um, you could read scripture before worship. You could do so, um, I mean, first thing in the morning, or you could do so right when you sit down. You could open up uh, your Bible and, and just read a passage just to get you mentally ready for what's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. And then you could just pray, say a prayer about of, of thanksgiving. Um bring gratitude to your prayer before worship. And that really points your mind to who you are honoring and worshiping is the Lord. And you're already approaching him in prayer before you begin your worship unto him. 
I like this idea of being proactive about the worship experience instead of being reactive to whatever's going on in life. And then suddenly, boom, worship starts and, you know, you're just not into it. Uh, by being proactive, it seems like I'm inviting my mind to kind of calm down and settle down and get ready for, you know, one of the greatest experiences of the week, which is to praise God. Yep. I, I would add one thing, and that is, and I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult when you have families and, and small kids to, it's, oh, everything's in a rush to get everyone ready. And it's like, we're barely just getting there in time for worship. But I would highly, highly recommend setting high priority with just getting there a little bit earlier. Because when you're not so rushed, you really would have time to just kind of mentally prepare. And it, it doesn't take long when you're just there at, right before worship begins. Um, I think that's a game changer as opposed to maybe just getting there at, during the first song and you're just kind of, uh, you know, kind of, it's like we made it kind of thing. But I know it, it takes... It, it takes it takes a village to be able for something like that to happen and it could be challenging for that to happen but I do encourage every single family to get there just a little bit earlier than what you normally do and that really helps you to prepare your mind for what you are about to do amen amen well brother did we miss anything that I'm, I'm trying to scan through the notes and making sure we've got all the points covered. Did, is there something glaring that uh, I didn't ask you about? Uh, not really. Um, I did have something on leading worship, but I don't know how applicable that would be to your audience. Sure. Well, why don't we just take a, a couple minutes to, to go through it for those who can lead worship? I'll say this, by the way. Um, my mom, who's never led worship, was the one who taught me how to uh, pitch a song and uh, you know, beat time. And my dad was helpful as well. I'm not saying he didn't do anything, but I, I recall as a, as a boy, her helping me learn those things. And so in this part of our discussion, even if you don't have the chance to be a worship leader, you you may influence someone who is so everybody can learn. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, let's just talk about that really quick here. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. Um, okay. but just a few pointers, um, regarding that, I guess. Okay. What do you got for us? So one thing I do want to discuss and this, I kind of limit um, the audience when I, when I bring this up and that is when you're in a position to, to lead worship and leading worship is a very important role, no matter how small it might be, whether it be saying just a, a short prayer or just leading just like one song, it's, you still have a very vital role as you're leading worship because your role is to bring people to the Lord. And so um, I like one thing that we do at our home congregation in Oakdale is we, we have announcements beforehand, but it also gives us an opportunity to speak words of encouragement before worship begins. 
And I've even taken advantage of that opportunity to even read a passage of scripture of, of kind of what we've been talking about already in this discussion of just bringing people to the Lord um, in, in like a, just talking about God and how great he is and he's the object of our praise. And then, um, and then as you're beginning, if your congregation uh, begins with a prayer, bring people to God and, and, and ask the Lord to, to help you in, in putting your all, praising the Lord with your whole heart as mm. you do that. Um, and that really kind of sets the tone for the beginning of worship. And if your congregation doesn't do that, I would recommend that they that uh, that uh, maybe your congregation begin to do that, or maybe you break the mold and you do that. If you're if you're given the first song, just say we're gonna let's have a prayer before the first song. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's what it's really about is giving God the best worship. And so you, as a song leader, you have an important role. Lead, don't lead them low and slow. But bring excitement. <laughs> bring excitement. Um, and don't be showy. But, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough wrestling with the congregation that kind of wants to slow down a song or or the pitch drops or anything or something like that. But if it's led at a at kind of a peppy tempo or or you know, pitch just right, that really changes the dynamic of a song and you really can focus on the words rather than just kind of being bogged down. And that could be, (laughs) that could be, um, it just, it it doesn't go over very well if they're just led low and slow, because it really takes away from um, the type of worship experience that maybe you could or or be improved on. And so when a person leading the prayer, just pray from the heart. I'm sure all of us do that, Um, but be sincere in your prayers. When you're teaching the word, teach from the heart, teach the truth, be be sincere. And then as you're observing the Lord's Supper or even preparing the the congregation's mind to the Lord's Supper, be thankful. Be thankful. Bring people to Jesus in, in the best way possible. Again, this just isn't. A service. This is a worship is what this is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I keep using the word worship because I think that is the key element. When we have our minds focused that this is worship, that that really to me has been helpful in the past. This is not just a church service. This is worship. Mm. And so those are just a few um, practical things as one who would lead worship um, would maybe want to, I don't know, uh, maybe fine tune or, or just be more aware of right? as you lead the congregation. Right. I sometimes tell folks, uh, especially young men who study with me, who are interested in preaching. Preaching is an art and a science, and I can teach you the science and I can uh, attempt to show you the art, but sometimes the art isn't going to come through our study. It's going to come through the practice of preaching. And so we'll work on the mechanics, you know, the science of things, but, but you're the one who's going to be challenged to, I guess, make it your own. And I feel like this could be true in worship as well for the worship leader. 
and also for the one who participates in worship, there is an art and a science to worship. It seems like the science or the mechanics of it, uh, we we preach on a lot. It's it's uh, something we understand well if we're you know paying attention in church because we talk about it a lot. But it's the art of worship that that's kind of what this conversation has been about. Um, the subtlety behind why we do what we do. And I just want to make these three points that you have said many times in this discussion and, and then give you a chance to uh, offer a final word yourself. You have reminded us that the art of worship is first approach with thankfulness. Second, be joyful in the praise that we offer the Lord. And third, to remember that the Lord is the object of our praise. It's not about us. It's not about what others think about us. The Lord is the object of our praise. And if we can remember those common themes, then I think we're well on our way for the art of worship to match the science of it. So, brother, you have a final thought you'd like to share with us? Well, we've been kind of focusing on on us, what we could do. Um, on a personal level in our worship, but what it really boils down to, it's not, it's not about me. It's right. about the Lord right. in all of this. So what, what can I do? What can I bring to him? And that's, that's really what we want to give him our best is what we want to do. And I think, I think discussions like this are very healthy to, to bring us to our adoration and our honor and our praise to the Lord and to do it in a way that is, is the very best that, um, very best that we can. And I tell you, when you, when you approach every service by praising the Lord with your whole heart, you are going to leave so refreshed and you're wanting, you're going to want to do it again and again and again. And that is so contagious. Well, brother, thank you very much for joining me tonight. And uh, I hope people are as excited as I am to, again, maybe maybe just talk and think about this because it's it's very abstract. But I'm thankful to maybe open up the conversation so that people can think about it. Well, thank you. I, I have really, I've been edified by this discussion. I've been encouraged. Um, by this discussion too. And through all things to God be the glory. Amen. I am so thankful for Brother Brian willing to have that conversation with me. I said it several times in the episode proper, but this is a topic where it's a bit more abstract because we're not necessarily talking about the things that we do when we worship. Those aren't under consideration or on trial here. And I just want to advocate to all who listen to this podcast, to not come away from it feeling concerned as though we're trying to destabilize the items of worship. Not at all. What we're primarily interested in is the heart and trying to help improve a worship experience. And I base that need, the sense of urgency, off of a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we talk about this some, and I just want to bring it up one more time as we prepare to close in this podcast, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, it says, let a person examine himself then, and so eat and drink the cup of the Lord. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Uh, And verse 27, 
also says that people can do it in an unworthy manner. And so the idea there is that the the worship item, communion, uh, there is a proper pattern for how it's supposed to be done, but there's also a proper mindset. And if we're not careful, we could do the, the pattern as far as the action is concerned, but the mindset could be out of sync, and thus we could do it in an unworthy manner. And uh, yeah, I may be belaboring the point a bit, but again, I just want to encourage us all to think about how we can improve our worship experience. I really love some of those very practical suggestions, getting there a little bit earlier, trying to spend time intentionally with your family by yourself uh, before you arrive for worship. And uh, I challenge you to do the same, to make sure that we're completely focused on God. It's not about us. It's about what God has done, who God is, and what God is doing through us. And so I hope your worship experience is improved. Until next week, you can go to the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com. Check out all the content that's there for you to use and utilize absolutely free. And... Always remember, God loves you very much. 92. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.